This is the Shift Podcast. On the Shift Daily Podcast, are you okay with MPs complaining about getting blocked on Twitter? It's on the podcast today. Peeps flavored Pepsi. Ugh. And Beavers on Toronto Transit, it's true, it's all there and it's coming up. Joey Kidney, Canadian poet from Ottawa, joins The Shift to expand our conversation on the importance of poetry and creation. He explains his work, passion, and poetry. He also tells a great story about losing some technology and anonymously getting it back. Sir Christopher Gilbert joins us for our International Dispatch coming up on the podcast today too. He's back to highlight wild stories from around the globe, breaks down stories around Japan after the cherry blossom season, earthquakes, and he tells us about kids hiding in Ikea in Australia. All of this on the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay with blocking on Twitter? Uh, Yeah, it's like the single greatest function for any social media platform. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's necessary to have it as a resource so you can block out the stuff you don't want especially if you're really picky on social media um but i i've never like on twitter i've never really had like a lot of blocking incidents yet uh but i'm kind of looking forward to the first time somebody gets mad at me and blocks me you know it's like nice now i'm i don't know is there, is there a way a that i can find out media. if i'm blocked Right, like I don't know. Like, can There's you see if someone's blocked you? you? Get. There's oh. like way if you if you get really into social media. There's like websites and stuff you can buy so you can track your statistics and see all that stuff. Wow. But well, I know that yeah. there are there are ways for you to find out if someone has unfollowed you and stuff like that, right? So I know that that's a thing. So it is it is curious for me. Well, one way is if you know if I know Ryan's Twitter handle, um, and then for example, I go I can't see Ryan anymore. Well, then that would probably mean that I've been blocked. Now, of course, I can just log out and still go look at his Twitter. Well, I can still read it. I just have to log out to do it because then the computer doesn't know it's me. But still, this happened in an adult world in employed people with jobs and not only with adults, but this also happened in our government. A liberal, liberal MP is pretty pissed about getting blocked on Twitter by Michelle Rimple Garner. MPs were talking about pandemic lockdowns in the House of Commons uh, yesterday. Get ready to hear a clip that makes it sound like our elected officials are in grade 11 in drama. And by grade 11, maybe grade 7, to be determined. So without further ado, I would like to introduce MP Mark Gerritsen. The member from Calgary Nose Hill who has blocked on Twitter a member of this House, and when I raise this concern, we have other members from the Conservative Party chanting, hear, hear. Are they even really interested? Go on, go on. Do you have more to say? Please. Uh, uh, Keep digging. Keep. James Bay. I'm trying to follow my honourable colleague's meanderings, and uh, is he is he actually weeping in the house that people are blocking him because of his incoherence at times? I've just I wasn't. Did he say blocking? I wasn't sure if I heard correctly because maybe it's a question of people not having people maybe have very wise judgment in that. Well, my point is, Madam Speaker. My point is, my point is, the member from Calgary Nose Hill has blocked me on Twitter because she is obviously afraid of me providing her with information that she doesn't want to see. Now, what kind of 
elected official is that, Madam Speaker, who actively goes out to try to silence the members from other parties? How are we supposed to collaboratively get along in this place when the member from Calgary Nose Hill is blocking other MPs on Twitter? That is just, like, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, normally I think I would wear that with a badge of honor, but given the circumstances today, I mean, and the fact that I want to give her meaningful information that she can use for this, de this debate, I find it very troubling. My uh, sincere, sincere condolences to the member for Kingston and the Islands uh, for having had to go through the experience of having someone block him on Twitter. I, I can't imagine what that feels like, and I know the hearts of members in this House really go out to the member for Kingston and the Islands. We're having a, a debate here on lockdowns, and he spent about half of his speech sharing from his heart what that was like. So, here, here. Uh, I would just like to at this time. Oh, sorry, and scene. I would like to share at this time. Um, <laughs> while while this this MP uh, from Kingston was uh, worried about getting blocked on Twitter. Canada is at about 4.5 million doses administered of coronavirus uh, for the vaccine and um, four and a half. And other countries are in the 30 million, 50 million, 80 million, 130 million doses administered. Just so you know, we're 20th in the list of uh, doses and he's worried about being blocked on Twitter. I wanted to create some context about what your government is doing, first of all. Second of all, he did say this. He said, that is just like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you're it a professional like buddy. that kind of a conversation. I actually it think did. he has a point. I don't think that MPs should be able to block each other on Twitter. You, you, oh, it's why? your job to work to, to work together so that this country well, I would. I have a solution for you for that one. Why I disagree. Sorry, if you want to finish your thought, finish your thought. I didn't mean to step yeah. up. I was just going to say, so I actually think that I prefer they would just, you know, not talk on Twitter and just save it for the House of Commons. But I don't think they should be discussing this in the House of Commons because, you know, I'd like to not live in a pandemic anymore. So maybe use your time a bit more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, you're from two different parties and Twitter is um, is just a public forum for people to share their thoughts. We, it's free speech. You say what you want to speak, say as long as it's not hurtful. That works. And, uh, and then people can choose to listen or not to listen. They can unfollow you too. Ooh. Um, but if you want to give points for the debate today to help her out, there is a method to do that. It's called through government email. It's called through the proper channels through government. Why is uh, an MP professional? government officials sharing information to a different government official through Twitter. That is not okay. So that's where I do disagree with you, Ryan. There is a way to do it, and there's a way to do it, and that's uh, moving paper. I mean, hell, you could kick it old school and fax it over. I mean, I'm sure there's a fax machine somewhere in Ottawa, in, you know, in Parliament, and I'm, I'm sure that there's one there that you could use. You know, scribble it down, put it on a sticky note, throw it on the door. I don't know. But Twitter is not the forum anyway. Providing her with information she doesn't want to see. Okay. That's the thing. Like, just because you think it needs to be said does not mean that everyone else wants to hear it. It also does not mean that everybody else needs to hear it. You know who that guy is? He's the guy at the party 
that when no one's listening to him, he just talks louder and louder until somebody listens to what he has to say. I'm going to say this. Professionalism? Um, yes. Professionalism? Why are you blocking other people? But I do know that inside um, this this little group of conservatives on Twitter, Michelle Rempel Garner, and there's a bunch of other ones, they do actively block and actively engage in certain conversations uh, on Twitter that I think they try to make other people look bad. That's just my perception of, of that. So I think he's been baited. I think they try to make him look bad. And uh, it's all about the votes. And in another part, uh, the reality is grow the F up. You're an MP. This is Canada. These are global issues. And if you have something, you book a meeting, you have a conversation. And just because you feel compelled to say it does not mean that everybody wants to hear it. And uh, if I'm a constituent in his writing, <laughs> uh, I'm not one to write letters. <laughs> that could that could qualify. That one could qualify. Um, but yeah, a little professionalism. You shouldn't have to block people anyway. Uh, Twitter's not the currency, my friends. This is our government. This is our government arguing in our building that we pay for. We pay for that. We pay for their salaries. We do. And they're arguing over Twitter. You tell me our government's okay. Now that's a debate I'd be willing to have. <sighs> Are you okay? Are you okay with Pepsi? Yep. Pepsi <laughs> over Coke for me. I think really? I'm more of a Coke yep. guy when it comes to Slurpees, although I have been known to sway to the Pepsi side, the dark side for Slurpees. Really, hey? Hmm. I mean, for, for yeah, I get the, the, pep, the Coke for me, I guess, on the Slurpee. Diet Pepsi, I'm a fan of. Coke Zero, I'm a fan of. That's weird, isn't it? Going back and forth. See, Diet Pepsi and whiskey. Uh, Man, that's a beautiful thing. Canadian Club and Diet Pepsi. The <sighs> diet is like drinking formaldehyde. I think any diet drink is is the most disgusting thing really? ever. I can't do it. And I'm also allergic to aspartame, so I can't have it anyway. Well, that's so fair. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not yeah. even allergic to aspartame, and I'm with you, Ryan. Thanks. I yeah. I just can't um I just can't do that much sugar. I, I because of this story, I did watch of how much sugar is in is in Pepsi thing. That was anyway. Okay, that was very clear. We cannot decide if we ever have a party shift party. Um, we're gonna have to figure out the cola quotient clearly. Uh, the Coca Cola competitor. Pepsi has created a new flavor in honor of Easter. They've partnered with can with a candy maker to make a pop that could be possibly the worst pop ever. Maybe it's the best. Here's more from KTVN 13. Well, hey, Easter is almost here, so that means it is peeps season. Now, not only can you mm. eat some peeps, but now apparently you can drink them too. So <laughs> Pepsi and peeps, they're teaming up for a new cola that combines the two sweet flavors. But you can't buy it. Pepsi only giving away 3,000 packages through a contest. All you have to do is post your favorite springtime activities on Instagram and Twitter with the hashtag HangingWithMyPeeps. And then go ahead and tag Pepsi. Winners will receive three-pack of the mini cans. Pepsi says a new flavor could eventually be sold publicly if there's enough demand for it. So, Dave, you're excited. Make sure you demand for Peeps and Pepsi. Yeah, because Pepsi's not sweet enough already. 
<laughs> See what I'm talking about there? The cans are actually the cans do look cool. They come in blue, pink, and yellow. The yellow is pretty pretty awesome. Although there's no difference in flavor. Um, People Magazine got the first taste of the drink and can confirm that it does in fact taste like marshmallows, oh. with a flavor that is vaguely reminiscent of Lucky Charms, as they've described it. Have you guys had Peeps? Oh, like the fluffy the the, the fluffy ones, like the real Peeps. Yeah, like they oh, they're, they're disgusting. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. suck. Does anybody like Peeps? No. I, I, I have never met somebody who does. No one. And like John Oliver, this is an ongoing joke on his show for like four years now. Every Easter, they talk about how much they hate Peeps. Why would they like do a Cadbury chocolate Pepsi, you know, a cream egg before you do this? And that's probably still going to be better than this. Huh. Well, you know what? I mean, you can buy like 800 of them for a dollar or whatever it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're just like a blob. They're just a blob of marshmallow that's been spray painted yellow. And it looks like the kind of yellow that they use on yellow lines on the road that's got little glass chips in it. So it's reflective. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. 877-399-9898. Um, I must agree with my rat, rat and Mayan. Sorry about that. Nice. nice. I'm, I must agree with Matt and Ryan on this. If you like diet pop, uh, karma, you might as well take a bullet to your head. It's less painful. I don't drink pop. Amen, Ryan. It's formaldehyde mixed with acid. Wow, you guys are harsh. Pepsi, mm -hmm. Bacardi, White, and Lime. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Um, how about Jolt Cola? Oh, <laughs> That was nasty. Yeah, it, it is nasty. Like, if you want to stay up all night, fine, but man, you'll regret it. Is that Just like some Mountain weird Doof. pop from the nineties that I did not Jolt? ever have? Yeah, yeah, it was the highest caffeine. It was like the original energy drink, but it was a cola. Like Mountain Dews always had the most caffeine, but Jolt Cola was over the top, and it's basically what you millennials today would call monster, except it's a cola. the The best flavor I can describe is that it's it was blue. <laughs> It tasted yeah, blue like blue. is a good flavor. Nice. Tasted like blue. Uh, Pepsi, the only cola that tastes better when they make it taste like crap. Oh, that's not nice, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. man. Oh, dear. Well, uh, I did not write this. I feel like I should um, just put that out there before we begin. Are you okay? Are you okay with beavers? <laughs> um, I, you know, I like them when they're stuffed. But um, you know, all, all jokes aside, I've I had a really I saw a really nice non-stuffed beaver at the Oregon Zoo, and it was really cute. <sighs> they're smart. I like buggers. beaver tails. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, beaver tails. I had my first beaver cool. tail this summer. By the way, my Me very too. first one. Really? Yeah, I never had one. They're incredible. It's like a pancake, three times better. Yeah. Did you have the ba did you have the basic plain one with just the the sugar and the cinnamon and the, just the basic one, or did you get like super flavored chocolate? What do you think I did? Take a guess. Well, super flavored chocolate. Yeah, of course I went super flavored chocolate. <laughs> All right. Um. I just got the basic one. Well, we got two. I got the basic one, and then we got super duper chocolatey something something. Uh, that was pretty amazing too. I do recommend the beaver tail. I would agree. Well done.
Well, some commuters got a surprise Thursday morning when they noticed a beaver at the Royal York subway station. This is Miranda Anthesel. Of characters taking the subway. There's no shortage of characters taking the subway, but none quite like this. I came down the first set of escalators and there was a large beaver at the top of the second set of escalators. Commuter Will Abbott spotted the critter at the Royal York subway station when he first arrived at around 7 a.m. I was sort of half asleep and uh, took a minute to realize that there was some wildlife there. First I thought it was a groundhog and then when it moved sideways I saw the big tail and realized it was a beaver. Abbott says he knew this because of the beaver's appearance on the five-cent coin. And so, the TTC's unlikely passenger was named Nickel. Um. <laughs> All right. All right. The station's automatic entrance was temporarily closed due to the beaver, not Bieber, thank you for the text messages, but reopened within a short time. Green said it's believed that the beaver entered through Greenview Boulevard's auto entrance, which is between two local waterways where beavers are commonly seen. TTC spokesperson Stuart Green said the beaver was removed by Animal Services and is now safe. About an hour later, Nickel was removed by Toronto Animal Services, carted off in a black sack and into the back of a van. Officials say while Nickel was stressed out, the adventurous critter still had clear eyes and a slapping tail. All signs of a healthy beaver. Released at the Old Mill Parkette, about one subway ride from where the journey first began. It appears Nickel approves of this destination. That's one way to take care of a beaver. Throw it in I a black sack, say- put it in the back <laughs> of a van. Gonna, <laughs> that's a gra- like the language used there. I'm, they're not wrong. That's exactly what they did. But man, they really did put that beaver in a black sack, threw it in a van with no windows and drove like, it to a river and dumped it in the river of all that's the things they to did. animate right of all the things to animate is like <laughs> make it sound like it's a oh <laughs> can we just acknowledge nickel the beaver and the name though and how amazing that is oh yeah, yeah toronto look out for nickel the beaver uh-huh uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Of all the times you've tried to sneak into the transit system, though, whether you're it, like Vancouver's, I think is hard to sneak into. Toronto's is not easy too because you got it. Like Vancouver's, I've gone in and I've paid, and then I've left without even getting on a train and going, "What the heck just happened?" And then you got to pay again to get back in again. At least Toronto's, you, that, I've never experienced that one in Toronto's. It's a little more easy to get on and off, but it's just so huge, uh, you get lost on it. My goodness, Calgary's. You can just get on the train and ride wherever you want. Your chances are you're not going to see a police person or a ticket taker. You can just ride wherever you want, get off. Like it's like it's like it's just it's not free, but it's just like free. And during the Calgary Stampede, uh, if that ever happens again, if ever you want to have an entertaining show, just get on the transit. I have seen some stuff on Calgary Transit during Stampede. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> a lot of Bacardi on the floor, not yeah. in a container. Right. And yeah. maybe re- recycled Bacardi. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Unfortunately recycled. Let's just say that um, it's so much so that there are two train stops at the Stampede Grounds alone. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how busy it can get uh, for people who are riding the train, among other things, at the Stampede. This is the Shift Podcast. One of the text conversations that came up here on the Shift was, what about poets 
What about Shane Coison? What about Forrest Black? What about Canadian poets? Well, as a guy who's a fan of poetry myself, I do want to bring this conversation beyond Canadian poets, but it starts here in Canada. That's where we are. That's where we're rooted. That's These are the people that are slogging it out, working hard every single day, independently releasing books, independently releasing products and making a go of it. There is a, a, a gentleman I was introduced to online, and I don't even remember, Joey, how I found your stuff. It just sort of happened upon... Uh, my feed one day, and I would guess I will allow that into the belief system of kismet and just say thank you, because um, I really do appreciate your writing. Welcome to The Shift. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's been crazy. Instagram, and if you're talking about poetry and Instagram hears you, they're just going to throw that in there. Throw that on your feed, even if you don't follow the person. They, yeah. They're listening, right? So. Well, and you've learned that lesson looking back in time because you've been a YouTube creator for a long time. I mean, the core of your, the business of Joey Kidney is, um, you know, a dude from Ottawa that creates and that started on YouTube and then it started to change. Can you tell us the, because we've been talking a little bit about online algorithms. Uh, it was unrelated to poetry and, and that kind of creation. It was more to do with women's body image. And we're going to continue that conversation. But in the scope of all that, it's relevant for you of what these companies do online. Yeah. I mean, I started YouTube when I was 16 years old. And I mean, like when you first start out on social media, you don't really know what you're doing. Every video sucks until you finally figure out uh, how is that algorithm yeah. working who's listening who's watching and you can see your demographics and your analytics and everything and all that combined you can figure out what you're putting out and um it just uh, eight years later i found myself kind of like not fitting into the U youtube algorithm my mental health videos were kind of taken down and they would demonetize them when I would talk about anxiety or anything that was related to uh, mental health, which was a little, um, I don't know, just it, di it didn't, didn't fit well with me, right? And so I started creating on TikTok and Instagram, and they just kept pushing stuff. And then I started writing and, and, and promoting more of my poetry and my books and everything, and people started listening, which was not like... Uh, that that wasn't a thing on YouTube, which was, that was interesting to me. Yeah. And in such a place where so many people start and it seems like they're going in a, either they're geniuses and they've got this figured out and everyone else has it wrong, or they are way far behind at this point when they used to be so far ahead. Um, I'll speak to it frankly, because uh, for, <laughs> I don't care if they promote my stuff. So uh, let me speak to that one, frankly. Now you as a, but you're a creator, what comes first in this chicken and egg scenario? Because you do photography, you do write, and you, um, I would say my observation of your work is speak authentically. Right. Um, in general, and that happens to follow it, uh, fall into writing, photography, poetry, and other things. So, what, what, which chicken, which egg comes first for Joey Kidney? To be honest with you, um, if I, if I knew which one came first, I probably wouldn't be doing the others. So, if I knew that photography was like the, the first thing there, then I probably wouldn't be writing. And I think I'm just kind of like the, I don't want to toot my own own horn here, but like the jack of all trades, I have a lot of interests. Like I, I grew up with a camera in my hand. Um, so that was always an interest, but then I was like, I wanted to go more. I wanted to go dive in more. So then I started doing video and then I started doing stuff on, on YouTube and then figuring out the tech side of everything. And then I started writing more of my videos. And then I started 
writing in books. And so it all inter- intertwines. I know that's not the answer you're looking for, but that's the answer I have. No, that's, and that's very fair. I know that, um, you know, in my conversation with Forrest Black, the singer songwriter, he uh, said, there are days when you just don't want to create. There's days when you say, I got nothing. But then if you actually set the appointment for nine o'clock and you sit down in your favorite writing spot and you actually just sit there and put the pen in your hand, be present, something usually happens. Yeah. It might not be what you were expecting and it might not be great, but something will happen. Is that your experience too? Well, it might not be great for you, but it could be great for the people who are listening or reading it, right? And for example, like yesterday, it was like we had a rainy day in Ottawa, uh, before that, we had amazing sun and it was just like this beautiful week. And then we got hit with a rainy day and that really messes me up. Um, and I was supposed to film a lot of videos that day and it just did not, it did, nothing worked for me. And I actually just sat down and I just started writing and I found myself writing stuff that I wasn't able to write before that on those sunny days, for example. So yeah, when you put yourself when I find when I have the schedule, I don't create the content that I want. Like a lot of, a lot of people strive for this, like this everyday routine to have wake up and, and, and do the same thing, especially like, I'm, I guess I'm specifically talking about creatives who can wake up and, you know, choose what they want to do that day. We kind of strive to have this routine so that when maybe we burn out or we get a little lost, we're like, okay, I'm just going to do this and it's going to work. Sad, sad truth is, is that sometimes it doesn't always work. Right. So I like to just go with that. However, my mood's going and yesterday was writing and which was crazy. Cause I wrote, I wrote a few installments in my book. Yeah. Well, I think that's incredible information for everybody listening, whether they're, you know, working a job to just make ends meet, or if it's a chosen career and they've considered something new, all of us have that inspirational piece inside of us that, well, what if I, what if I did write something or what if I did take a photo or, or what if I did sing a song um, how terrifying that might be, but at the same time, is that the piece of my puzzle that I'm, I'm trying to seek out? Well, you brought up the book, so it'd be only uh, fair to take advantage of this opportunity to talk about what's the rush and <laughs> the new things that you're creating. Uh, tell us about what's the rush, the book. Yeah, that book I uh, I started writing four years ago, and I released it last year. So I wrote it for three years straight. And then for one year in there, I, I just kind of just got it all together. Um, it actually started out as a journal, let's say, but less about my life. It was less about Joey Kidney and more about how I was feeling. So throughout three years, every single experience that I went through, I wrote it down as what I was feeling when I went through that experience. So whether it's like getting set up on a date or being dumped or broken up with all the heartbreaks, right? Or it was about losing someone that you love. Um, death, even suicide and depression, anxiety, every single experience that I went through, I wrote it down um, in, in poetry, in, in, a, in a poem, in what I like to call installments, because a lot of people are like, oh, what chapter is your favorite? And I'm like, I wouldn't, they're not chapters, they're just kind of installments. They're all just there. And however came out of my head was in my life. Um, and there's a lot of like artwork in it as well. So that every single person can read it. Cause I know I grew up, I hated reading. <laughs> I, Me too, actually. Oh, wow. I would sit yeah. down and everyone would be like, you need to read Harry Potter. And I'm like, why? There's a movie. What, what, are, you, <laughs> what are you telling me to do? Yeah. And so I sat down and I tried and I was like, it just doesn't like, 
novels just don't click with me because I'm reading how someone in, intended the story to be told versus I find with poetry, somebody or, or installments. And the way I write is that somebody is, if I write and anyone can interpret it in any way that matters to their life. But rather than just reading about a story that, uh, you know, that can be made up and they already have it. That's fun. That I, I took a, uh, I took a script analysis class uh, in college and the instructor very first thing said, look, if you love movies, leave this class. And I was like, well, movies are all right. They're not great. So I was like, you know, I like movies, but I'm not like massive movie fan. Right. And so I took the class and um, I can't read a novel or watch a movie anymore. It's one of the reasons uh, my friends will say, oh, have you read Harry Potter to your example? I'd be like, no, I can't read Harry Potter because I read the first seven pages. I'm like, good guy, bad guy. He did it. Okay. Here's the book. Have a nice day. Uh, and then, but in poetry, I never know the outcome. I never know the impact on me when I read it. And even to textbooks, reading about, I love reading about psychology and brain science and all those things. The reason why is because there is no outcome, right? There is right. no predictable outcome to that. So if there is no predictable outcome to Joey Kidney, how do you, how do you embrace that and somehow turn it into a career and, and keep pushing forward on the days when it, you know, sucks and you don't want to go to work? I mean, your best guess is my best guess. I just, I just get it done and it, and it happened. And I think that's like the most amazing thing is that I sat down and I, I had this journal in front of me and I was writing this just to, I saw one video randomly that somebody was just like writing a journal. They're like, journaling is amazing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the time and I'm going to, I'm going to journal. And I was like, this is sounding more like a story that, that can be multiple people's stories however people want to interpret it this this is much more than just a journal for me and so then i started writing it for the intention that it would be a book and so it started off not being a book which is amazing it was just kind of like this happy accident and then um three years later after writing it i i went to my manager and i was like hey i think i think i got something i i don't know if this is a good idea i don't know if this is a waste of money i don't know anything and he's like, let's, let's give it a go. We printed 500 books and we sold that out in the first five minutes. Um, and wow. so how did it all happen? I don't, I don't know. It just kind of did, you know? And I think that's the, that's the beauty in it all. Now, from the example you share with us, um, it sounds like creative is just a way of being. It's kind of how I hear it, right? It's not mm -hmm. a, it's not a destination to get to. It's just, uh, I've been doing a bunch of reading and working recently on circumstance. So I am listening from circumstance. It sounds like uh, I've, it's occurring to me while we have this conversation that it's presenting itself as a circumstance in this particular case, a lack of circumstance right. um, for everybody who's listening, who is curious about maybe writing something or, or those people who have never really sat down to read poetry because they thought it was corny and they didn't get it, but they're curious. I mean, how do you, how do you explain to everybody who doesn't have that way of being versus the traditional thinking? I'm not saying better. I'm just saying the traditional thinking of go there, do this, as opposed to, you know, just a way of being every day as a creative. How do you, how do you convince them to give it a shot? I think you got to find something that you like genuinely enjoy. Like if you don't like, poetry and you despise it you can't expect yourself to sit down and be able to write a poem you're just gonna hate everything you're like why am i doing this i'm stupid this is awful 
no, find a find a book, find a poetry book that maybe isn't the top trending one. Maybe it's just a cover of a book that you like looking when you were shopping in Indigo or chapters, you know, and you just pass by this book and you pick it up and it's amazing. Um, I got really inspired by this book named, uh, oh, crap. There's so many books out there. Uh, Whiskey and a Shovel. And it's by R.H. Sin and it's a poetry book. And I picked it up and everything about it just, just spoke to me. Um, and so I kind of took that as a lot of inspiration as for, for my writing. And, and I think when you get in, inspired, you're able to create a little bit more. Like, I, especially when everything's already been done in this world, I find we, we can't just wake up and create a new thing. You have to get inspired to do so. So I think just trying to find a book, if you want to write poetry, if you have an interest in it, but you don't know how, find a book that you love, sit down, try to copy that poem, the same format in your own words, and then just give it a go. Because I mean, I, you can sit down and you can tell uh, what's that? What's that uh, thing that they say you can lead a horse to water? Uh, horse to water, but it won't drink. You can't make them drink. Yep. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing. I can tell you everything about how to write a poem, but if you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it, right? So do it. I think yep. it's about having that passion and being a little bit inspired, having that little bit of flame, right? One of the cool things that I've discovered in my writing, um, and it, it's you inspire me to share this is, you know, I observe your, your writing is sort of around observational being your experience as you observe the life around you. Very present is what I, how I see it. I see a guy like Shane Coison, who's a very good storyteller about his experiences. And then, uh, one of the inspirational people for me, Tyler, not Gregson, uh, he writes about love. And I've always said, I want to meet this woman, right? By the way, he writes about it. Um, and one of the things that I've found in, as I sat down to write was that I actually love pens. And I, when I sat down to write, I also found out that I actually love handwriting and script. Mm -hmm. So as a creating a space for everyone else to go, look, you'll never know what you'll discover when you sit down to write something. If you're like me, you might sit down to write and go, you know what? I love pens yeah. as much as I love writing, but I do right. So, I mean, it could go any way. And you could create uh, something that you didn't expect to create. Is there one piece that you've done that surprises you the most? I mean, as as human beings, we often go, I can't believe people like this. Like, I just wrote that. Yeah. yeah have you, is there um, something that you've read back or put out that still surprises you that's connected? Well, actually, I'm going to put that on hold because you mentioned something about writing. So writing pens. So I I can't write in pen for me it it doesn't it doesn't work maybe wow. maybe if i really really have something and i'm like okay give me a napkin and let's write this down right maybe maybe like that but i write on my macbook pro yeah that one of the i think it's like a 2019 and the the keyboard has like that that touch bar thing that nobody ever uses it's one of those right yeah and i this is what I have right now. And I, I hated it. So I had my old, my old MacBook. It was my first one and the keys popped up a little bit more. And it was just that little tiny difference that made me write 10 times better. And I, I was traveling in Vancouver, um, two years ago and my car got broken into and everything was stolen. And me being a photographer and, and a, a filmer and everything, I was like $25,000 worth of stuff gone. Wow. Yeah. 
And what did I do? I lost my laptop, right? And my hard drive. And those are the two things I wanted back because I was like, I need this. They don't make this anymore. I need this laptop back. Um, <sighs> broke my heart. Anyways, I found the laptop. Um, not the actual one, but I found another one and I, and I got it and I started writing again. And I also got a, a new one because I need certain things to handle my programs, but I can only write on that laptop just because really? the keys are just a little bit higher. And then what's crazy is that a year later, my hard drive, somebody actually returned my hard drive to me. I don't oh, no know the person who stole it. I don't know anything They came back in the mail. I'm like, all right. Okay. <laughs> Nothing but, like a thief yeah. with a conscience, hey? <laughs> I remember I put up a post and I was like, all I want is that hard drive back. And then next thing you know, it came back. I'm like, hmm, funny. <laughs> but, right? Yeah. That's great. I love it. It's uh, yeah. That's fantastic perspective. Well, what's next for Joey Kidney? I mean, you do have some more uh, book stuff you're working on. The website, by the way, stayu.ca if you want to shop through uh, books and let's, I, I need to acknowledge the, um, the WAP candle. Um, <laughs> the walk candle. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, if you don't know the WAP and the song and the other, um, I don't know what, to, yeah, meetings or, uh, uh, implications of WAP, uh, as an acronym, uh, then the warm apple pie candle. <laughs> which in itself the double entendre um is ridiculous is pretty good so check that out so what's next for joy kidney i am currently i remember i was sitting in new york and i was we had a i was doing a couple of interviews there and we had a whole round table and there was piles and piles and piles of what's the rush books and i was signing them and i'm like i look at my manager i'm like hold on do i have to write another one of these and he's like i think you got to so that moment I started writing again. And so that I'm working on, I'm working on what's rush part two. Um, it's I'm, I was actually writing it uh, right before this call. Um, so that, that is on the works. Uh, so it's going to be called what's rush part two, take your time and hurry up. Um, and then I'm also working on a poetry book called dreaming with my eyes wide, wide open. So the poetry book is coming first and then what's rush part two is coming second. Can you take us into, um, for me, it's centered on love, wherever that takes you, um, your perspective, maybe a snapshot into your thinking and your heart a little bit. I know that your partner uh, is an important part of your day, as you yeah. share publicly online um, and, and yourself. So can, can you just share a little bit of that perspective as you see it about how important, whether it's love or peace or wherever it lands for you, um, can you share with us your heart on on how that matters on how just a significant other and, and, and love matters in life. One person, one thing, something that's love for you. I don't, I don't want to create sort of a bias filter. I'm trying to uh, create a blank canvas for you to say, you know, where does that land the most important piece of love for you? And, and, and how do you create from that? And how does it make you feel? My favorite thing ever is when my girlfriend picks me up and I just hop in the car and you go. And it's like, you're with your best friend in the entire world. Um, and I think a lot of times, like I, I grew up a very big, big, big hopeless romantic. I watched all the rom-coms and movies and I always thought it has to be this big romantic thing. Every time you saw each other, a big kiss, a big hug, whatever. And my favorite thing in the entire world is being comfortable 
you know, as, as somebody who grew up with a lot of anxiety and a lot of moving parts around him, my favorite thing is to hop in a car with, with my girlfriend and just sit, play the music and just go like the conversation has already, has already been happening. It's, it, it never ended. It, it doesn't have to lead with a hello. It just, it just, you get in, you go. And that's my favorite thing in the entire world because how many times do you think, okay, well, I want to start this new project or I want to start this new thing. And I'm like, shit, how do I start this? How do I get going? You know, it, it, it just, it's, and then you get caught up in all of that and everything, all the math, all of it. And the best thing in the entire world is when you just sit down and get going. And so that's for, for me being just comfortable enough to start and get, and keep it going. That's the, that's my version of love right there. Um, and that inspires me to write a lot. Joey Kidney, pretty unique last name, by the way, so he's easy to find. Uh, that does work out really nicely in your favor, too, with the <laughs> yeah. Google searches. Um, Joey Kidney is the website. Google it. You'll find it. And uh, stay you. And don't forget about the book, What's the Rush? Uh, thank you for sharing your heart with us and some time today. I thoroughly enjoy your work, and I appreciate it. And look forward to chatting again. Thanks, brother. Thank you very much for having me. It's the Shift Podcast. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. If you can see Sir Christopher Gilbert on the uh, video call right now, you you might be surprised. He looks like Kurt Cobain's rocking it out. Got a little grungy Jesus. Tokyo thing happening. Yeah, I've also got like a, a late afternoon halo behind me as well. It's, I know. It's all it's all happening. It's um it, when we start, first started doing this, it was nighttime where I was. Well, it was not nighttime. It was the same time. It was five o'clock in the evening, but it was pitch black a few yeah. months ago, and now it's it's pretty much a bright afternoon. And spring has smacked me in the face like a wet fish. It has oh, just allergies. absolutely kicked my butt. Yeah, in the last couple of days, it just started this year. Like pow, you can't do anything anymore. Your life is over for a week or so. Nice. So, well, that is yeah, particularly angelic painful. on the video. Got to tell you. Oh yeah, I, I look good, but I probably don't sound so good. I don't know, but and I don't. I definitely don't feel very well. So if you hear me just muted for a while, that'll just be me if, um, muting my microphone so I can blow my nose off in a corner of the room somewhere. Oh, that's nice. You're uh, that's yeah. beautiful. You're looking California, yeah. but you're feeling Minnesota. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what half of that meant. I, I, I I'm not picking up the Minnesota bit, but I'll I'll play along and be like, yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Um, okay, so here, uh, where do you want to go here, Chris? Because a couple of things I want to talk to you about, too. And I know you've yeah. got your, your normal international dispatch things. Um, you, know, you said springtime, and I did want to thank you for the pictures of the cherry blossoms. And, I mean, there are all kinds of things that we can talk about in regards to springtime in Tokyo, uh, where yeah. you are and the cherry blossoms and all that. I have a friend of mine that um, is uh, he's Hawaiian, but he's from Japan, Okinawa, to be particular. And um, and he speaks to me about cherry blossoms as being so incredibly beautiful. And some of the photos that you sent me today are stunning. Um, what's your experience of that with cherry blossoms? Because it's a it's a deeply rooted thing in Japan, isn't it? Oh man, it it's it's uh, it's bottomless, and it's also like it, it's very hard for somebody who's not like entrenched in like or grew up as a Japanese person or in Japanese culture to talk about because we don't really know the full extent of it. But uh, I will say that I think, you know, like 
if we think of Japan, we think of the cherry blossoms. And but I, I think what I never knew before I moved here is just how fleeting it is. Like it's a week, maybe, or like at the most, if you're lucky. The last time I lived here a couple of years ago, it was a couple of days because they they bud and then a heat wave came. And they bloomed really quickly, and then a typhoon came and knocked them all off. So, they're they're here like not long, but it's it's a whole tree of flowers, just like flowers. Brrr, like it is, it's the most amazing thing to see. Um, and I I think a lot of like the philosophy around the cherry blossoms uh, has a lot to do with um, I don't want to get too detailed, but like. The concept of uh, ma, which is a, a Japanese kind of like spatial concept, of, which is very like vague about it's about ambivalence more or less. Um, not ambivalence. Um, well, you know, it's it's about being vague. It's about vagaries, vagities. Um, I've got hay fever brain. Excuse me, just pollen on the brain. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's also sort of about um, you know, like they're so fleeting, and so it's like appreciating the time of the bud and the time of the sprouting, and and the beauty of before it happens, and then the lament as they fall and hit the ground, and there's, there's you know something poetic about the death of the flower after that, and yeah, it, it's it's very entrenched in the psyche, and I, I'm very inarticulate on it as I'm not so Japanese, well, but yeah, it is I know beautiful, a little bit and about I- it. I know that, you know, much like um, surfers will travel to places to get the perfect wave, um, fans of the culture will go back to Japan and they will watch until it's time and then they will jump on the plane and fly back just to be there, just to see the cherry blossoms. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a forecast as well. So it's like every night um, on the news leading up to the event, because it spreads from the like the Kyushu in the bottom, the like the, the west, southwest of the country. As, as, as the country warms up, it spreads up the country as the, as the flowers bloom. And so if you miss it in Tokyo, you can still catch like the bullet train up to Aomori at the top of the island and see them a couple of weeks later. And so the news will do a forecast every night of the Sakura forecast or the cherry blossom forecast and tell you where things are blooming tomorrow or the next day. So we're in, the, we're about, in Tokyo, we're about in the height of it at the moment. We're, we're in almost at what is called full bloom, just like myself. Hmm. Um, so it's a very special time. Yeah. It's very, it's very pretty. It's very romantic. Uh, you were there, uh, you were out and about traveling around this week. Um, mm. not to go back to the, uh, the in bloom Nirvana comments from earlier. Can't let that go. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> the, you were traveling around and there was another earthquake in Japan this week and it was a biggie too. Did you, were, were you part of it? Was that your fault? Yeah, actually I, um, I, there was just before. So I, um, I'm not, you know, obviously due to Corona, COVID-19 and such, like I, I'm not doing so much traveling, but I did do a special trip to um, Mie, where there's the Grand Shrine of Shintoism. And But just before I went there, uh, there was an earthquake on Saturday night, and we were doing a, a, probably a little bit a premature Hanami, which Hanami is like uh, the words uh, flower and look. So it's like a, a flower viewing picnic. Um, just, and we went to a very isolated spot with me and a couple of friends out by uh, a river and there was nobody around and we, we were, the flowers weren't quite out there. And so we're a little bit premature, but we experienced the earthquake, this earthquake that happened, um, my first time on a riverbank. So that was really quite trippy because I've been in a lot of earthquakes before, but to be on that, um, that soft, soft, watery soil. 
uh, and feel like they're like they're jiggling all around you and you and your butt's kind of acting like a body stabilizer underneath you you know um it it was a very weird experience to be down to be down by the water but um apart from that um a tsunami warning for like a little bit and then that was called off and i think if you have a lot of experience with earthquakes yeah to be honest it's it's all in a day's work it's all in a week's life you know that earthquake that's how i felt about it it's like oh yeah there's uh, another one another one um i've never yeah. never really felt like the a big one like that before so i mean i uh I, I I get really curious about it now. Also in Tokyo uh, this week, uh, Fukushima yeah. is where they kicked off the. Um, speaking of earthquakes and, and tsunami, um, that's where they kicked off the 2020 torture relay. Late, better late than never, but about a year later, um, and they started doing a little bit of running. Even though they're saying, by the way, we're going to run the torch. Don't go watch, but they did get started, so things must be feel good that they're they're moving anyway in Tokyo for the Olympics. Why is any of this happening? <laughs> you know, it's. I don't think there is. I don't think there is a good feeling, really. Not not amongst most people. Most people don't want this to happen. At least mm. in my circle, you know. Like uh, on my Instagram, there are a couple of people who who just had a, a, a shot of the the torch relay starting and just a couple of um, expletives about it. You know, like. I mean, the Olympics are happening, but no one's going to be there. The torch relay is happening, but no one's going to watch. Um, and also, just um, it's very sad news. But like on the same day that the torch relay started, a really famous uh, and uh, hero of the Japanese Olympics died. His name was uh, Koga Toshihiko. He won gold for Japan in the 1992 uh, was it Barcelona the the 92 Olympics in judo, and then he coached the uh, women's judo team to I think gold in 2004 very famously and uh, he passed away on the the day that he was meant to run in the relay and i think it was a day or just the day before um the 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 relay started so it just seems like not only the sad news but just like another bloody omen for these cursed olympics you know like i i think most people now just want it to like just be over with already yeah. like if they're gonna do it do it finish it let's move on with our lives instead yeah. of it being in the news every day. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting, exactly. um, yeah, it's an interesting perspective and it totally makes sense when you look at it and when you sort of explain it that way. I mean, remember the Olympics used to all happen in the same year and then they did the offsetting by two years and with everything, the way it's heading, we're going to end up with like three different Olympic games in two years or something. <laughs> the way this is going. But it's not the first, I mean, They've cancelled it before, right? For wars and and stuff and, and yeah. disasters. Like it's it's just it's just it's just re managing managing a loss at this stage is what it is. And I, I think everyone can see it for the the loss management exercise that it is. Um, there is very little excitement around um, for uh, the Olympics. Um, I don't be a downer or anything, but I think most people at the moment are still just trying to get to the supermarket and home safely. You know, I, I think that's where everyone's focus is. Um, mm -hmm. Vaccinations have still not really started to be rolled out here yet. Yeah, um, yeah you're, no, you're not very high on the list. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, the prime minister's got become vaccinated, but um, they're still, like, just testing and testing and testing and, and making sure everything's fine. And then the hope is that once it starts, it's going to be very... 
you know, like very streamlined and very quick and very efficient once it starts. But until then, it's radio silence. We heard that we would get vaccinated in July. And but yeah, I mean, the bottom line is the Olympics are going ahead. Uh, nobody's vaccinated. And um, we're all still just, uh, you know, just underwater holding our breath. Yep. There you go. Oh, here's nice. Some, some... <laughs> nice happy thought. Beautiful to have you there. Hey, Fever. Love it, love it. Radio in the middle of the night. Just uh, yeah. you know, want to cheer everyone up, you know. <laughs> um, here's some context on those vaccination numbers. Uh, Japan's about 750,000. Canada's about 4.5 million. America's 130 million. So I'll give you some context on, yeah. the, on the vaccination rates. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm surprised it's that high to be honest. Um, but I, I think they have started amongst the, the, the frontline healthcare workers here. Finally. So, yep, let's, let's, let's just um, enjoy the spring, cl- clog our noses and, um, and chat about some funny news headlines. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into it. The international dispatch, Sir Christopher Gilbert, our favorite Canadian or Kiwi Canadian who is in Tokyo. Cause that's not confusing. Um, where are we going to yeah. get started here, Chris? Um, I mean, I feel like I go to the same places every week, but there is a whole trinity, I think, of stories where just the, the, the strange, either the news in these places covers the strange things or strange things just happen um, in these places or just stupid things that, you know, you shouldn't really care about, but still make the news. And it's uh, Florida, Sacramento, and of course, ding, 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 Australia. So <laughs> in Australia, apparently kid kids have apparently started a new social media craze by spending a night in an ikea um i don't know if you could tell uh but i was doing uh inverted finger quotes commas speech quotes scare quote fingers with every noun there yeah Um, i I could tell yeah you could tell because i was on camera um don't tell that but the audience the audience might not be able to tell. But so before this first clip, this is the anchor introducing the story. I just want you to uh, imagine all the nouns uh, that he says in scare quotes. So uh, let's, let's listen to this first clip. Police are looking for three teenagers who filmed themselves hiding in the Logan IKEA store and then running wild after closing time. The footage is going viral on TikTok, part of a so-called social media challenge craze to spend the night in a store. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, yeah. That was very, it was like, very like, old of him. Right? This guy is not, he, like, he could not try harder to distance himself from the story about youth culture. <laughs> no. These young whippersnappers are at it again, and it's all Get thanks to lawn. the social medias. <laughs> yeah, like, I just imagine him at home, like, in a cold sweat, trying to brainwash his kids to go golfing with him. You know, like every night. I love golf. Well, yeah, I'm with you. Well, you know, I just imagine that every night they go to after they brush their teeth. You know, they go to bed and there's like a new sweater vest and a pair of like tan trousers on their bed, and their dad is just nodding expectantly in the doorway. Khaki pants, nice khakis. But yeah, um, yeah, I just love this guy. You know, it's like I just I like to imagine that he's stuck like this, and like Ah. he, you know, like. Bill, blink twice if you're okay. You know, like he's like, I can't stop being sarcastic. <laughs> Someone smacked me on the back, and I'm stuck like this. My mom was right. <laughs> um, anyway, this story apparently there's a craze, a craze, a craze, Shane, um, of young people 
uh, doing things like trying to stay in a store overnight. So um, let's listen to a bit more of the story. Five metres up, me up don't know if it's what hiding in shelving, waiting for the all clear. <laughs> the teen sneaking into the IKEA scaffolding just before close. We stayed at IKEA overnight and this is what happened. Filming themselves roaming the store, swinging in hammocks, one then using his jacket to cover his hand. And the trio flee. Yeah. Um, um, that's, okay. yeah, go on. Well, I was just going to be like, it's definitely like a craze if three people did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if yeah, it goes I mean, viral, for- you're going to get kids who want to do it more. If it, it's over 100,000 views, somebody else but is probably at that point, it's just it. a bad idea, yeah. It's still not really a craze oh, if only three people horrible have done idea. It. Do they have any idea how nasty IKEA furniture is inside of an IKEA? Like, how many people sit on that and touch it a day? That's a good point. That's very germy of you, but it's a good point. Right? I mean, I did, being the thorough journalist that I am, I did look for other... Um, incidents of this craze um my journalism is not so good that i actually have stalled tiktok to have a look because i'm also an old curmudgeon <laughs> and why would i do that you're um, an old but, um but like i respect the tiktok i respect it and i respect the fact that i know nothing about it and i'm just gonna you know like let it be you know like go be tiktok be what you are but um the the early incident other incidents i could find of this went back like Four years. So I, I found a video from like 2016, which is before TikTok, I think. And so I, I, but I couldn't find any other evidence really, even on Instagram, the Instagrams of um, kids crazily locking themselves in stores overnight recently. So uh, I don't think it's a recent craze, but if it is, can I just say that this generation so much cooler with their social media crazes than my generation, which lay horizontal on things and put cinnamon ice on challenge <laughs> yeah an <ate> cinnamon <laughs> eat cinnamon oh my god that was a like bad one though. We were planking you know mm-hmm. like 13 yep. years yeah. ago like there's the the dumbest thing i could possibly think of and we knew it was dumb at least these kids have a sense of adventure about them you know <laughs> <laughs> they're trying something my my social media generation was MySpace, so it was like, hey, I'm a rock star, which is like it's the, so Instagram today is, hey, I'm a model. When I was younger and that one took off, it was, hey, I'm a rock star. So in all fairness, we've all got them. I remember the, the, the angle of the news story about MySpace when um, the news first caught on to it, and it, it was like, um, it's a part of the internet that you can have all to yourself. You know, like before people could just, you know, like buy a Squarespace or whatever and drag and drop their own website. It was like, you can mm-hmm. have this little page of the internet all for yourself. And people were like, yourself. oh my God, amazing. Yeah, I got a website, man. Woo! I'm on MySpace. What was, the, what was the guy's name that like, who like started, my, that you, your, 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 he's your first friend on MySpace and everyone's friends with him? Him? Oh. Phil or Tom? Tom. Tom on MySpace. So I think was it was Tom. Tom. I think it was Tom. Yeah, yeah it was Tom. Tom from Ryan MySpace. Is lo- Ryan is looking with dead I, eyes into the camera. Like, I, I never once had space? MySpace. I never had Alice MySpace. Space. I was going to make a joke about like Mr. Rogers. Cause Being three years old yeah, when MySpace friend. came out? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But no, I never had it. I uh, I was straight to Facebook. If you go my Facebook, the first profile picture I ever had, man, cringe. But like, don't we all have that, Chris? Do you have like a really cringy like picture of you when you're 14 on MySpace still somewhere? Uh, no, all of photo- all the photos of me are great. I don't really have a bad photo of me anywhere. I'm incredibly <laughs> okay. Photogenic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Chris is actually really hard to find photos on online. I uh, tried to find him one for the website, and boy, oh, boy. It's, uh, he's, I'm like, proud of the it. internet. I mean, I had a goth phase in, my like, my early 20s as a very I'd late like bloomer. I'd, yeah, like, so I've got photos on my Facebook of, of me, like, wearing, like, eyeliner and, and like, purple nail polish and, like, um, cut-off fingerless gloves, like, just giving the finger to the camera and stuff, mm-hmm. and... I'm like, oh, look, I'm so stupid. I love it. I'm, you know, obviously I'm great, even at that age. So, no, I'm, I'm way too much of a, of a, a narcissist, narcissist Leo to... Are we, uh, did we just find out why you got kicked out of New Zealand here? <laughs> okay, never mind. Right. I'm, I'm not allowed to go back, you know. It's no. like they've made it impossible. I'm pretty sure that 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 extension of like the three month minimum stay to the six month minimum stay is just like to keep me out. <laughs> they did. I heard about that in their parliament. They actually said, "Well, we got to keep Gilbert out for a little longer. How can we do that through COVID laws?" He keeps yelling at journalists on Twitter all the time. <laughs> oh, he speaks the truth. Um, you know, kids in, kids in Ikea, let's, um, let's, uh, let's play the next clip. The bizarre overnight challenge, a social media craze that sees people attempt to camp out in department stores or restaurants, remaining undetected until the next day. There is an element of danger, but of course the danger is what makes the videos popular. The incident was filmed here at the Logan Ikea on Saturday night, but was not uploaded on social media until a few days later. Police are investigating and will go through surveillance footage to help identify all three people involved. Yeah, so, yeah, cool. Kids, they stay in places. And um, can I just say that, like, uh, just to to wrap this up, to put a bow on this, that uh, IKEA came out and they said, oh, we don't condone any of this. Um, You know, like, obviously, uh, it's illegal, blah, blah, blah. What they should have done, if they were smart, is just send out one tweet, which was IKEA, our furniture is so comfortable, you'll want to stay the night. Oh, marketing opportunities. Look at that. You should charge them a fee. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.